Hello and welcome to Star Wars TV Talk, a fan podcast covering the news, reviews, and more of the upcoming live-action Star Wars series. In this episode, we are going to discuss Solo, a Star Wars story. And with me, as always, is the lovely John Murray. John, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay. And John, with us for this episode, we have a special guest, and that special guest is Ben. Ben, how are you? Doing well, sir. It is awesome to have you, and we are super excited to discuss and review Solo, a Star Wars story. And Solo is written by Lawrence and Jonathan Kasdan. And it's directed by Ron Howard. Starring Alden Ehrenreich, Donald Glover, Woody Harrelson, and Amelia Clark. And in this movie, what happens is that in an attempt to escape from his homeworld of Corellia, Han is separated from his love, Kira, and joins the Imperial Navy with hopes of becoming the best pilot in the galaxy, which gives him the surname of Solo. After running into some smugglers and meeting Chewbacca, Solo flees from the Imperial Army and finds himself in a job for the gangster Dryden Voss. This job reunites Solo with his love, introduces him to Lando Calrissian, who owns the Millennium Falcon, and puts Solo on the quest that turns him into the smuggler that the galaxy knows him as. A lot happens in this film for Star Wars fans. I was nervous about it going into it. What about you guys? How did you approach this film? What were your expectations? John, let's start with you. Well, uh, like any Star Wars film, I was excited. I wanted to see it. You know, I was counting down the days. Um, but I had my concerns, like so many people do. Like, this is this is well-tread territory. All the reviewers were uh, immediately concerned that maybe Alden Ehrenreich didn't sound or carry himself quite like Harrison Ford. And was he going to be able to pull off the role? So there was just that trepidation of... Are they going to set the right tone? Are they going to have fun with the story? And are we going to be able to invest in the characters? Those are the things that I kind of had on my mind going into it. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that because that is exactly where I was. <laughs> I was and ex- 99% of the fans. I'm of course, sure, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was one of those that was extremely skeptical. When I heard that, that Disney bought out Lucasfilm, I was like, this means more Star Wars. Then I heard that they were doing these anthology films. I was like, yes, Obi-Wan film coming. And then they gave me Rogue One. I was nervous about that. It came through. Then they told me Solo. I'm like, where is Obi-Wan? They still didn't give it to me, but Solo uh, met... Or I had low expectations going into it, and it surprised me. Now, Ben, how did you approach yes. this film, and what were your expectations? I approached it uh, pretty much the same as you guys, just very nervous because I didn't know what to expect, um, especially with the fallout from the behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, the director's mix-up. I was going, what's what's about to happen? Mm-hmm. And so... My expectations were set as low as you could set them um, going in. So just very <laughs> nervous all around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's no, definitely it, fair. Yeah. 
I think a lot of people were nervous. So let's dive right into this and let's talk about some of these characters that we were a little nervous about. So let's go ahead and start with Han Solo. So Ben, how do you think the film treated Han Solo? Um, I, I'm not really sure because for me, the film was not as good as I would have liked. Um, I was, a, <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed because I, I was expecting them to at least do something with it. And I just came away feeling, well, that was a movie. Um, <laughs> that, that certainly happened. Uh, um, <laughs> so, I mean, they, they treated the character like he was, you know, a, a character, you know, this is, this is Han Solo and he's going to go do some things and then, you know, the, the movie's going to end. So interesting. John, yeah. what about you? How do you, uh, how do you feel like the, the film treated the character of Han Solo? Um, I was won over pretty quickly, actually. Mm-hmm. I felt like they took him on an appropriate adventure for kind of where he was at in his life. Right. We got to remember that this is his first outing. This isn't the apex of what Han Solo does in his career. This is just him kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. ramping up. Uh, so to kind of walk through those steps of him kind of growing into his bravado, I felt like a lot of that worked. Um, there were definitely a few moments that I felt didn't line up with what I would have thought Han would have done in any particular situation, but this is a younger version of Han. So you kind of got to be a little forgiving in some ways, but by and large, my takeaway was I thought they treated the character as, as fun. He had some kind of like swashbuckling swagger to him. So there was a, a lot there that did line up with what I was hoping to see for a young Han Solo. And overall I was happy with it. Yeah. I have to say I w I was like you, I was bought pretty quick on his portrayal, uh, because it starts off with throwing us right into him running away from doing something bad or doing something <laughs> illegal, so to speak. Uh, and then him trying to talk his way out of things. He's, Hansel has always been really bad at that, uh, because it always comes back and bites him in the butt. But, but I think that this one, he's a little more, like, he's not a, he doesn't finesse it as well. Um, mm-hmm. and it, and I buy that because I'm like, you know, he, this is the first, this is him becoming Han Solo. Uh, it definitely was true when I think it was Lawrence Kasdan, uh, back, uh, you know, months ago that said that, oh yeah, we're going to talk about how he gets his name Han Solo. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? This is a terrible oh, idea. No, no. That, that was actually the, um, CEO of Disney. That's that right. Was Bob, Bob Iger. Iger. Yeah. And everyone thought, okay, he must just be meaning about like, how does he grow into his character? Like he wasn't, he meant it. He didn't mean it literally, but you know, apparently was, he did. And, <laughs> and I actually literal. have some misgivings about that particular scene. I don't think that that was the most elegant way they could have approached that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, and because... take it from there. Cause you've been shaking your head. So you have thoughts. I'm not going to trample. Yes. I, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> um, because I'm sitting there throughout this entire movie and going, really? I wasted a free popcorn. <laughs> um, and it's, but yet I want to like my, my whole thing was, okay, like how do I remain open? Because it, it's funny to hear you guys say that you were bought instantly. That was instantly was the amount of time that it took me to go. Oh no, not that because this was just a very much a run of the mill. Like, nothing special it was it was 
boring, I felt. You know, there was nothing to it. We we you, you kind of come to expect this kind of kind of movie nowadays. Um and especially my, my biggest thing was going in, we know that Han Solo is a legendary character and he he's gained this iconic status for over forty years almost. Um so the problem is how do you talk about where that legend began? And I just feel like that wasn't really a good beginning for me. You know, it, it wasn't as I, I just expected and maybe I'm going back on my expectations a little bit because I was expecting a little bit more and they kind of gave me a little less. Mm-hmm. Um so I just was not <laughs> like, now, honestly, do you do you feel like there was any version of this movie that could have lived up to your expectations? Um, and yeah, and that's where it's like, I mean, <laughs> that's the million I, dollar question, isn't it? That's yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't, I just, uh, I just thought that it could have, <laughs> it could have been a little bit better. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well then let's just go right into some low points with this character. I think Ben, you, <laughs> I think you covered that on your end. Uh, but what about you, John? What were there any low points, uh, for, uh, the, the character or the portrayal of Han? Well, there was that one moment where the Imperial officer gives him his name that I felt was absolutely wrong for the character and just for the story that they were trying to tell, I felt like that was just very cheesy and uh, just, it, it, it didn't feel organic and it felt like Han Solo being kind of a, a rogue independent spirit. I can't see him wanting to base his whole persona on some off the cuff remark from an Imperial officer, like just everything about that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So the fact that solo embraces his name as given to him by an Imperial officer felt wrong for the character. So that, that was definitely a low point. I just, I don't know what Lawrence Kasdan was thinking with that. It just seemed very, I don't know, hacky. Yeah. Uh, didn't like that. Um, the only other thing that I can really say uh, about the solo character is that, he didn't really steal the show as much as I think most people would have wanted Han Solo to steal the show. Um, I feel like Chewbacca was really like a standout fun character that I was really invested in. Whereas Han felt a little bit more like he was being pulled along in the adventure than kind of like leading it. So part of that I'm sure is intentional because again, this is the Han before he's Han. So he doesn't really have as much, uh, just, I don't know as much of a presence as he would later on, but I think I would have liked to see a little bit more sparkle there of him, uh, just sort of like pulling the capers off just from sheer force of will, um, rather than always coming up short. Like I would have liked him to have like one moment other than that last moment where he yeah. finally gets the lesson where maybe, maybe he just kind of showed a little bit more prowess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, I think those for me, 
go whenever he gets that name from the Imperial officer, I was just like, ah, I was taken aback. And then I go back to that comment from Bobby Iger that popped right in my head. I was like, so he was serious. And <laughs> I think that affected me even more going into it because I knew that it was coming and mm. I, or I thought that it was coming, you know, months ago and I was thinking, wow, that would be terrible if they did that. And then they do it. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I like that very much. Uh, but yeah, so let's move on to some high points now. So high points. But, I, or do you I don't. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to take over. I just Ben is just yeah. champing at the bit here to chime <laughs> in and just smack <laughs> down with some Han hated vitriol. I just. I don't know, I, and I don't know why. I, I'm like because because I've been thinking about it ever since I left the theater. I'm going. Why do I care? I'm not. It, it's not that big of a deal, and. When it comes to like big Star Wars fans, I I'm the least of these, you know, because um, I'm not I, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I just I mean, really, guys, really, an Imperial Guard has to give you your name, <laughs> your name. There's a part of what? me that wonders if Why maybe your- they. They threw that in after the fact just to save Bob Iger the embarrassment yeah. of speaking out of turn there. Well, hey, Bob, it, just just stop. Yeah. Don't, stop talking and don't say things. Uh, Think about it and then tweet. Think yeah. and tweet. You have to do one before the other. If you do the, if you do the tweet before the think, guess what's going to happen? Yeah. A lot of nerd rage coming for you. I just <laughs> – yeah. So, but again, like – um. I'm not very, you, you guys are much more verbose and, and you think through your arguments and everything. You got all your notes <laughs> and plans and stuff. I'm just going off the cuff with, with this stuff. Um, trying to yeah verbalize it as, as I'm, you know what you like, and it just yes. didn't land for you. It did not. That, gotcha. Well, Ben, were there thing, any, were there any high points for you? Um, <laughs> say something nice about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> What what did Alden Ehrenreich do well as Han Solo? Um, he and again, this movie isn't bad. It's just boring. It's just like just there. It just um, I I will agree that as to your point that as a young Han Solo, this is kind of how he would have acted. Um. And that, to me, it, it kind of brought that little bit of youthful um, charm to to the character. Um, but I, I would I, I would think that he would just be a little bit more – he would have a little bit more intelligence behind him, and things would not come quite as easily to him. But that that is a version of – a young, a young Han Solo, mm-hmm. um, and that you know he was able to deliver his lines, and you were able to believe that this was, and that in this universe, as directed by Ron Howard and written by the Castens, this this would be that guy. Like you believe that that's what they wrote. Um, so Alden did, you know, he did a good job with that. It just, as a whole, I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I I really enjoyed <laughs> I really enjoyed his portrayal because I was really nervous about this character because I didn't know if Alden Ehrenreich was going to come in and do a Harrison Ford impersonation, which 
right would have not gone over well but he does make it his own he does uh he does embody Han Solo to me. I think that uh, even a couple of his little, you know, uh, movements that he has, the way he says things uh, came off as Han Solo. Doesn't sound like Han Solo, but, you know, it. it's still, I still bought, like, this is a younger Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are kind of, I, I, I appreciate his, uh, he seemed like an immature Han Solo, even though Han Solo is arguably immature, he seemed <laughs> like a more immature one. Uh, yes. And so I really, I really bought all those things and I really, uh, he really sold the fact that he was inexperienced and that he was just being introduced into this world. Uh, and so th- I, I bought all that, all that stuff from, from Alden Ehrenreich. Um, mm-hmm. so John, what were some high points for you? That's a great question. <clears throat> I think. One of the things that I like about the movie overall, and this probably flies in the face of what most people dislike about it the most, is that it didn't shoot to be a huge, like, super duper high stakes ultimate adventure. Mm -hmm. I liked that it was a little bit more restrained, that the story was a little more personal, that it it was a little more low stakes than a typical star Wars movie. There were no grand themes of good and evil that are, you know, hanging over the movie thematically. And it really was more of just a, you know, small crew pulling a heist lessons learned, you know, stumbles along the way. I like the risk that they took in doing that. Cause I think that's a conscious decision. It's terribly easy to make movies bigger than they should be these days. Like anyone can throw a lot of CG at an action movie and ramp it up to 11, but that doesn't necessarily make for a better movie. Sometimes the old timey movies where they just didn't have the option of making it larger than life and having the characters, you know, bend physics and, you know, when when that wasn't on the table, sometimes those movies have a lot more charm and are a lot more engaging because they just feel more real and they they just you connect with it a little bit more. And I felt like for a Star Wars movie, this felt surprisingly small, and I was kind of digging that. I thought that was kind of refreshing. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna say that was a, a plus for me. Yeah, and I like that it, it it knew what it was doing, and it wasn't trying to make it wasn't trying to make Han Solo a more lovable character. Um, and what I mean by that is that I was worried that they were gonna like add in a hero's journey for Han, but that's it. That starts in a New Hope, mm-hmm. and so if they add it in Solo Star Wars story, which is ten years before. A new hope. But then we have some, you know, we have some issues like, okay, why is he being a hero in Solo? But then when it comes to, you know, helping a rebellion, he's more like, yeah, no, that's not me. I'm not that type of hero person. So I was nervous about that. And I'm glad that everything he does, even though it seems to be high stakes, it's still low stakes and is, you know, maybe not, not necessarily be self-centered, but is... I'm doing this so you can't achieve. And I think that that was his whole thing with Dryden Voss is that I'm keeping this from you. I'm not doing this to necessarily help the better of the galaxy. I'm just doing it so you don't have it and you can't go and, you know, kill these people. See, I don't, I don't know if I had that take on it, actually. I, I kind of feel like what they were trying to spell out at the end, and I mean, Kira says it. She says, you're the good guy. I see three. Yeah. I know what you are. I think what they're saying is, as much as he tries to suppress it and push it down, and and even though he gets a lot better at that in the ensuing 10 years before we meet him in A New Hope, that ultimately at his core, 
he's going to be a sucker for the cause every time, you know, he's always going to be won over with the idea of getting involved in something that's bigger than himself and ultimately good. And I feel like they were trying to let you know that he can't escape that mm-hmm. at his core. He's the good guy. And as hard as he's going to try to say he's the outlaw, he never will be. And that's what gets proved in his hero's journey later on. And now, now Ben needs yeah, to, ben needs to, say <laughs> something needs to here. chime in. <laughs> <laughs> I could just, I could just, and see now it shaking the the angle. Okay, lay it on us. <laughs> okay, uh, very good points. Um, I feel like th- this is this has now become a presidential debate, and <laughs> you have like thirty second rebuttal. And now, um, hey Ben, are you about yes. to throw some shots? Not, not any shots. <laughs> I, I just, if it's supposed to be, I, I get that it's supposed to be a smaller story and it's supposed to, because you, you do want, um, because you don't want to make it as, as on par with the, um, the trilogies, because then people will start, you know, it, it, it creates a lot, a, a lot of problems there, but I, I, I would have liked to see a, a a few stakes you know i would have liked to have seen um han solo try and try and figure this this thing this thing out you know and um a, a little bit to try to become sort sort of trying to figure out who he is so that by the time you know you watch new hope then you're like oh okay so and and that's where i thought that they were going was that they were they would take you know who he was at in, in a new hope. And then they would just hit the uh, rewind a little bit, you know, 10 years and you know, here's what that, that Han Solo was like. And I'm going, okay. Um, so you just wanted to see him in, in full on smuggler mode. Like he's a hundred percent sold on being the bad guy. No, but just figuring that out. How does, you know, what, what made, what made the character that we saw in A New Hope the character that we saw in A New Hope? Now, it, it seems like they were probably banking on this movie doing a little bit better at the box office because they obviously were leaving it open to some sequels. And we know yeah. that all the actors were contracted to come back for sequels if they decide to go that route. So mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe the plan was to rough in kind of what the next stepping stones were going to be for Han Solo if this was a success. And it seems like we'll probably never get those answers now, or maybe, maybe in a comic book or a novel or something, but not on screen. (laughs) I think even despite of the box office, I think we could get that. Um, So what's going to drive that to me, my prediction is that the, uh, the home release, if this, if this movie sells a lot in home release, like now that fans have a chance to talk about it, because there is some split opinions with it, but overall, it's being received pretty well um, by by the media and by by a good portion of fans. And so, I wonder if the home sales are going to affect um, this. So, I still think we may get some sort of sequels, or you know, it, they could they they have been plugging those comic books quite a bit. Like, hey, buy some comics. So. Uh, Oh, it's yeah. going to be a tough sell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're talking about a Disney property here and a movie mm-hmm. that did just a hair over 80 million domestic opening weekend yeah. and then dropped roughly two thirds yeah. for its second weekend. Yeah, it was so huge. 
yeah. So if if this was going to be kind of like a dark horse, slow burn kind of a movie that uh, sort of wins people back into the fold after it's released, I don't know if a two thirds drop was what they were hoping to see. I, I don't see any scenario where this movie makes them enough money to even think about touching solo again, at least in the next 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's my assumption just based on the money, but you know, who knows Yeah. if they have a really good script and they think that they can win people back. Why wouldn't they? It just, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't bode well at this point. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So let's go ahead and let's move on to Chewbacca. Now, Ben, do you have anything good to say about <laughs> Chewie? Everybody loves Chewie. <laughs> More screen time with Chewie's an automatic win, right? Yes. It, okay. <laughs> Chewbacca in this movie. No, it, this was not an insult to um, his character. I, I don't think it. it uh, they did pretty well with him. I I enjoyed Chewie. He he's always been you know the second banana. He he's always been you know the kind of a little kind of like comic relief, but not really. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was perfectly fine. I kind of don't know why you when when they get there and they and they have him down in that pit and they treat him like a monster. How would, would they not know what a Wookiee was or what who yeah, Wookiees so, are? So they go into some canon here. Um, so <laughs> going ahead. But you have the uh, after the Empire takes over. They go to Kashyyyk and just enslave all the Wookiees that they can catch. Okay. And so him and his family are enslaved uh, and separated. So that's what he keeps telling Han. So I don't, it, so there's some debate whether he's talking about like his biological family or just Wookiee, Wookiees in general, um, trying to find them and whatnot. But yeah, so they knew what a Wookiee was and they're just basically like, let's, you know, have some entertainment with them and let's kind of, uh, you know, maybe he was a slave and kind of an unruly slave and like really fought back against some slave labor. And so they were like, fine, we're throwing you in a mud pit and we're just going to feed you some, uh, some treasonistic officers. It, it just, it, it was, I, I just found it hilarious because I'm going, why would you, you're calling him a monster and, and you're making it feel like this is, uh, a beast or, or something that like we've never, the audience has never seen before and we're going to treat you to it. I'm like, and then you see Chewie and you're going, really? You, you guys don't recognize Wookiees. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that that's I mean, what, that's what they're doing. Cause even my niece, uh, one of the viewings, she, she was with me and she's five. And you know, as soon as she sees the shadow, she's like, I think that's Chewbacca. And I'm like, yeah, it is. So it's like, so I don't, I don't think they're trying to, uh, you know, to conceal anything or to reveal anything. I think it was just like, or the reveal was it's Chewie and that's how they meet. Uh, so John, how do you feel like the film treated the character? And then do you have any issues with his story? Um, well, just to follow up on what Ben was on about, I didn't really have a problem with the introduction. Um, I think they were obviously trying to play with the audience a little bit, the way that they were framing the camera. It was very much the same way they revealed the, uh, Wampa on Hoth, where it's just kind of the cameras like over his, his, like you'd see him from behind and off to the side and it's just kind of his, his arm or his leg coming into frame. So you don't get a sense of his actual scale yet. So you're wondering, is this a huge beast that's going to tower over Han? But I mean, to Imperials, 
an eight foot hairy monster that rips people's arms out. I mean, that's, that's going to be enough to keep the soldiers in line. I, yeah. I can see why that's a, uh, a plausible scenario that could come up on <laughs> this mud planet. Uh, I, I had no problem with any of that. I thought it was a fun way to reveal Chewie and it, and it got me like I did kind of know it was coming, but it was still satisfying when after they frame everything in, in kind of these horror terms of like the beast, uh, a set, like the beast um, coming out of the, the hole and, and you're just waiting to find out what it's all about to have it be Chewie and have that recognizable howl that that just it, it was a fun moment that was a very star warsy moment i i was enjoying it um but overall with chewy absolutely no complaints he was chewy he does what chewy does he's loyal he's supportive he lifts things when you need him to lift lift things and mm-hmm. he is good for a little bit of comic relief that doesn't feel too childish or cheesy it's just the the physical comedy of of him being i don't know just kind of better than everyone else in the scene but not having anything to prove like he's just kind of in the background but then the second you need someone to just sort of step up and do the job like lifting the heavy canisters or whatever just get the job done that's chewy you know you need the co-pilot he just jumps in and nobody knows he can fly those kind of moments that's perfect star wars to me and they had a lot of good stuff with chewy that was kind of in that vein so Mm -hmm. that was that was fine yeah and i also love that chewy is basically the reason that beckett comes back and rescues him <laughs> yes <laughs> like there's like well, we, we could on, use a wookie wookies wookies can do some work yeah uh so ben did you have anything else on chewy you, you good no, on him it, yeah and it it makes sense that like if if in the canon they don't not everybody knows who wookies are because in my head i'm thinking that the entire galaxy mm-hmm. knew who the wookies were but if nobody knows who the wookies are that's fine so I'm, no, I'm no, no, good. it's not that it's just on that planet. It's not like there's Wookiees walking around everywhere and this guy's down in a cage. So as far as the, the infantry coming in on the ground, being told, if you get out of line, you're going in the pit with the monster. They don't know what's down there. They just know that people aren't coming out. Yeah. Right. So a Wookiee, okay. what a Wookiee looks like or whether people are intimidated by Wookiees in general, isn't even a factor. It's right. just okay. the mystery of what's in the box yeah. that makes it kind of fun. It's the fact that they're not told and they don't know. Yes, okay. and, and they they just see people getting thrown in there. They probably hear some screams because Chewie's probably ripping some arms from sockets, um, and they just know I don't want to go in there. All right, so John, why don't you lead Except us on Life Day? But anyway. yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, maybe someday we'll talk about Life Day, but not today. Yes. All right, so <laughs> that is another podcast. <laughs> and you know what? I'll be playing the role of Ben in that that particular yeah. podcast. I think we all will. Uh, so, John, why don't you lead us off on Lando? What did you think about this character, and did you buy this portrayal? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Donald Glover, I thought, just found it. Found it immediately. <laughs> Out of the gate, I could hear the the cadence of Billy D. Williams. The the smoothness was there. You know, it, it was all there. The The performance, I thought, worked. The way that they handled the character worked like, you know, he's all BS and and bravado and smooth, too, which is what we wanted to see, I'm assuming, from Lando. So, yeah, the what this movie got right more than anything, I feel, is the principal characters for being able to recast them and find people that were able to just capture the essence. I think Lando really, really was a, a standout for that. Yeah. So before I go. Ben, what did you think about this character? Um, I, I do agree that 
casting Donald Glover was amazing um, because, yeah, you you do think of when, when you think of who Lando is and, and how he was this bigger than life guy and just really awesome and stuff. That's that's Donald Glover, you know, um, Troy and Abed in the morning. That's what you think about. <laughs> and to be able to see that kind of I, I was expecting like all that kind of fun. And then. Then I hear like this Billy D. Williams kind of impression and I'm going, OK, because <laughs> it just I don't I, I just thought that like he he would kind of take it in his in, in a direction um, and make it a little bit more his own. Mm. Um the character, but it just kind of turned into a, a little bit more of a, a Billy uh, D. Williams impression, and that's where it kind of lost me. Um, but I mean, it perfect casting though, perfect casting. So yeah, I I have to say I kind of disagree with that. Uh, I think that I think he did do some work and made it his own, and I think there were aspects of it. Uh, the the writing itself kind of adding his relationship with L337 while it's reminiscent of Im- or yeah of empire uh it's different it allows glover to bring some more to that character and then also you know just him like hey i have a room full of capes and i am this guy <laughs> and cuz we've never seen that lando we've never seen lando in that gambling lifestyle that we know he was in uh, from from previous mm-hmm. films and canon and so swindler card player exactly yep. that's what we needed to see yeah and so we saw that we saw that the the whole game go down and i think that everything about him even like his smile everything i was like that is definitely lando uh yes i think that there were some aspects of the uh basically i'm gonna do, i'm gonna impersonate the last guy that did it but at the same time i think he added enough flair in there that was that was his own now oh. if you guys listen to his performance if you go and see it again the very first scene that they reveal lando where he's playing sabak mm-hmm. um the first few sentences out of his mouth are a pitch perfect billy d williams impersonation no yeah. doubt like you can tell he is consciously trying to send that signal of this is who i am but then after those few sentences listen to him for the whole rest of the movie and there's barely a hint of that it's like he threw it out there to say, yes, I am this character. Yes, I can pull this off. Yes, I'm everything and more that you want in a Lando. Now I'm going to take it and do what I want with it. And I felt like if you can just get past those first few sentences, mm-hmm. you you won't hear any more of that or very little of it, at least. That's, that's kind of how I felt because I heard it too. And that was my first thought was, is it going to be a really subdued, like spot on impersonation without any flair? And I don't feel we got that. I feel like he walked both sides of that line. Yeah. 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 Anything else Person. on you, <laughs> Ben? <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I'll, I'll agree that it that it went away and stuff. I just don't feel like there was enough. And, and there was a little bit of flair. Like, you, you could tell that, like, oh, we, we're, we might get to see something awesome. We might, you know, we, we might get to let this character breathe. And just, again, I'm just like, okay. All right. You, you, so. you don't you don't get jazzed at like Lando running out of the landing uh, ramp for the Millennium Falcon with two blasters trying to like hold off the hordes, 
tossing one nonchalantly to Han so that Han can whip around in his classic, you know, Han Solo shoot him up pose. And the two of them just tag teaming an army of cave dwellers. You don't feel like there's something satisfying in that scene for Lando to be no, followed up because there's by... no, it's just like, OK, I mean, this is this is what we're going to do now. And I'm like. Okay, there's no like we're we're not gonna build up and build these relationships. No, 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 no. Just just move on to that action scene. Say say a few a few uh, lines of dialogue and then just kind of move on to the action scene. Just, but remember, just they did they did just meet. There is no history yeah. for them to build on, right? Like this is him just kind of like making it up in the moment. Like these guys are shooting at my ship. I got to do something. And then his droid gets his head blowed off. Exactly, blowed off. <laughs> Learn yeah. to talk, John. But yeah, I just. I don't know. I, I feel like they gave Lando more to do in this movie than I was expecting. He had a bigger role than I thought he was going to have. And that made me very happy. And now the, that's true. And the action sequences to me contributed to their relationship. I think that that, I think that represents all of their relationships. If, if Han, so let's pretend that there are no other sequels. And this is the last time that Han sees Lando. It's, it's not in canon is true, but let's just pretend that happens. I would still buy the interaction between Han and Lando at the in Empire whenever they see each other in Cloud City just for that one scene because there yeah. is that bond there. Like, I'm throwing you that. Ooh, that looked cool. And we know that, that Lando's very, he likes telling these stories. And so now Han can contribute to a, you know, big fish story that he tells at the, at the gambling table where he's just like, oh, and then there's this one time I did this and it was really cool. So I buy all that. Um, and I think that that I think that embodies their relationship. Yeah, yeah I was well, I mean, it all up. And, and their friendship, you know, you can you can talk. That's believable, and, and I, I I like that because there you know there is this great like friendship between the act. Well, not really friendship, but you can tell that these actors have chemistry, and you can also tell that you know the the characters have chemistry with each other because by the yeah by that end battle or whatever when when they're fighting and stuff and they're throwing that i mean that that's believable but it just i don't know I, yeah <laughs> well, well let's let's fly through some other uh characters so the the millennium falcon even though it's not an actual like living character it really is a character so let's uh have a, a brief summary on uh on some high points and any issues you had with the falcon so let's start with you john um <laughs> Gonna start sounding like a broken record, but had no problems yeah. at all with it. I thought it was handled very well. I like the fact that they ripped the thing to shreds, and that's why it looks the way it looks in yeah. the the classic movies. Like that yeah. was a really fun little reveal. That yeah, a black hole literally ripped this thing to shreds, and that's why it's a hunk of junk when when Han has it later. Um, thought that was fun. Like the L three thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I always have problems with sci-fi technology where everything will plug into anything else and merging AIs is a trivial matter that can happen in 15 seconds. That kind of stuff bothers me just because like I'm a programmer by trade. So you, you kind of know how implausible that is. That pulls me out a little bit, but the fact that all of that was just really a setup to make L3 part of the personality of the ship, I thought actually dovetailed nicely into what they establish in the later movies where, you know, R2 or uh, C-3PO has to talk to the Falcon, find yep. out what's going on. And, you know, you get a sense that the Falcon is as much of a character as anyone else in those scenes. And this just layers into that and builds a little bit more of a myth for that iconic ship. And I thought that was uh, just a great way to elevate the Millennium Falcon to even more legendary status. Which worked for me, same as always. <laughs> yeah, Ben, did you have anything bad about the Falcon? 
no, it, it was it was a nice ship. I uh, <laughs> I feel like like I'm crapping on everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely ship! What a, what a yeah. nice place to be. But I mean, yeah, like um, and I was even more sold on it on these uh little press tours that Donald Glover would do sometimes before <laughs> these movies here, like over the last the walkthrough, right? Yeah, yeah, the walkthrough yeah. for the last yeah. six months. So. With that and and the whole feel like it it felt like it was the original production design just yeah. you know scale pressed rewind and you know you have the 1970s kind of which the whole movie did mm-hmm. um it had that 1970s right. like yes this was a um and and I liked it from from that perspective um yeah. and I re- I really had no problems with the with the Falcon. Falcon was yeah. Falcon was pretty the, good. The only thing I had a problem with was that the thing inside of it, it is so dang white. Like it is just <laughs> like white leather, whatever it is. It's, it's super clean. Like does Han know that it would take them like 10 minutes just to get a rag and just wipe it down a little bit? Cause when we see no, it no, in, no. This, in the original, there's been a Wookiee living in there for a oh, decade man. by the time we see it. Those things shed, they oh. shake their fur out when they're wet. There's no way you're getting that man. stuff to be like pristine white again. It is going to be hazy yellow for the rest of yeah. time. It, it, know, so it you, just makes you can me... paint some of that stuff too. You don't yeah. have to stick to the white. <laughs> Han probably just, looked at it and went, you know, we could go, we could go for a nice gray. It no, might be a he, little bit more messy. Did, he did nothing. He just let it happen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know what? While we're, while we're on the Falcon, not that we're not going to run terribly long as is, but I have one other Ooh. thought on the Falcon. Mm-hmm. When they get to the point where they're in the maw and they're about to get sucked into the black hole and the solution is they have to send Beckett with the mcguffin juice to jazz up the hyperdrive to get him out of there Mm -hmm. that was a very star trek moment in the middle of a star wars film yes and if there was one thing i can say about the whole falcon part of the movie that would be it that didn't seem like something you should see in a star wars movie so yes yeah that's my one agree yeah i agree kind of having to do something yeah that whole that whole that whole scene where they have to do that it was a it was a Scotty get us out of here moment and yeah. Star Trek or Star Wars doesn't rely on that particular gag. So, yeah, it reminded me of um, Thor Ragnarok so much because sure. I'm sitting there going, it's the devil's anus. <laughs> and it's, <Yes. laughs> Hooray, we're going to make it through. <laughs> Will we make it? Oh, you know, we have sequels. It'll be OK. All right, here we go. And you're just like, OK, you know, that's, that's but yeah. Yeah. They definitely of- went. They definitely went over the top with the whole Ma thing, like with mm-hmm. the big creature and just yeah. how insane the visuals were for that. Um, that was maybe ramped up a little bit more than you would expect to see in a Star Wars movie, but eh, yeah, I was okay with it. Um, and I also kind of, I was a little. It wasn't anything big, but I was a little disappointed that the Kessel Run wasn't actually like a race. Mm. Like, yeah. Gr- kind of growing up with star wars i always figured it was like oh it's a race and a bunch of ships are you know racing to get out uh but with this it's just a distance which i mean i guess no one has ever told me it was a race it was just what i had assumed um, i assume that too, yeah. yeah and so to me it was a little disappointing but uh i liked the whole uh i just did the kessel run in 12 par sets and then chewy said something he's like <laughs> not if you round down um, yeah so that was <laughs> So yeah, there's there's always a little bit of embellishment in in Han. Yeah. yeah. 
So let's go ahead and move to the two villains. So let's start with Beckett. So Ben, do you have any high points on Beckett? If not, what are your low points? And did you think this whole twist thing was predictable? Um, yes, I did think it was rather predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, seen it. Uh, really? He's going to betray him after he said, after he said, <laughs> don't trust people. Oh my goodness. Really? Oh, no. No, Yondu, don't do that. Um, because yeah, that's that. That's what I immediately thought about. I'm like, hey, he's Mary Poppins, y'all. It's gonna be okay. Um, because it's yeah. So I, I thought of Beckett as kind of like Yondu light, um, <laughs> uh, to a degree. There's just I've I've seen I've seen this character. It's yeah, it, you know. Nothing surprising here. And and I think that the previews did it. So in the previews, they they released one. It was one of the last ones where it's like, you know, don't trust anyone. And I'm think as soon as he says that, as soon as Beckett says that in the preview, I'm like, oh, so Beckett's going to betray him in the end. That's how right. this is going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, what about you, John? What did you think of this character? And did you think the plot was predictable? It was definitely predictable, right? We, we all knew that was coming. And similar with Kira too, like it, it seemed like there was going to be a double cross with, mm-hmm. with her. Both of those moments uh, weren't as punchy as they could have been because they were telegraphed so heavily. Uh, so I don't know if they were handled as well as they could, but in the movie's defense, I will say that Star Wars has never shied away from embracing movie tropes and cliches and just letting them play out the way that we know they'll play out. But because it's done with some space opera flair, we, we enjoy it. Uh, so I didn't go into this movie thinking I'm only going to be satisfied if the plot has so many twists and turns that I can't keep up. Like that wasn't why I wanted to see the movie. I just wanted to see Han Solo, you know, having some fun on an adventure. So this being, kind of of run-of-the-mill and not terribly inventive didn't ruin the movie but it certainly was not the high point for me yeah what about you do you have anything else ben nope you good yeah yeah for for what it's worth character wise though like beckett was played very well by woody harrelson like you 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 get a sense that he's very comfortable at this point in his life as a bad guy and he makes no apologies and he'll change on a dime right as soon as the stakes change and he's the only one in the room with a blaster he's happy to reevaluate like there's no loyalty there all of that kind of stuff was true to the kind of the western genre that it was pulled from so there was a lot that worked with the character woody harrelson just kind of has a uh, a very casual delivery that works in those kind of roles so had no problem with any of that but as predictable as anything could have been. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that it's, it's, it's the, you know, it's a heist film. This is every, it's basically every single heist yes. film ever, ever. <laughs> like the guy leading the heist is at the end. If it fails, he's going to cut a deal. It's the same thing that happens in last Jedi with DJ. When he, when they get caught, he cuts the deal to live. And, and that's, I see Beckett is doing that. I don't think this was planned with between Beckett and Dryden. I don't think anything was planned ahead of time. I think it was just basically like, you know, I think what happened is when Woody Harrelson, when, you know, they get to where they're supposed to be, when he leaves, I think he goes straight to Dredd Voss and like, hey, Han's about to rip you off. It's that, no honor yeah. among thieves, right? right. He's exactly. looking out nope. for himself and that's yeah. true to the character and it worked well. But the problem is we've seen it a gajillion times in movies. So there's mm-hmm. just no way 
that it's going to be surprising when the door opens and that's him behind it. Yeah. And, and, and Beckett, Beckett serves to be the character that Han wants to be and believes he is. Like True. Han thinks he's this guy that's going to rip people off. He he likes to pretend he's cold-hearted and doesn't care about other people, but deep down, you know, he does. Uh mm-hmm. and Beckett has a moment with Han where Han really becomes Han. And that's the when Beckett's like, "Now you you haven't been listening, you know. I uh, you know, here's your final lesson. He's about to shoot him, and Han shoots first this time. <laughs> now, Han always oh, shot no. first. Just, just to clarify, yeah, Han always exactly. shot first. So, do you think, John, that that was kind of Lawrence and Jonathan Kasdan like tipping the hats to fans and being like, Han shot first? I don't think it escaped their notice that yeah. that's how people were going to read the scene. I don't think that it was you know uh a screw you george lucas moment like we're going to redeem the character that you ruined in your special editions i don't think there was any any ill intent that way but i think they wanted to make it very clear that the character that we were first introduced to in 1977 that's the character we're talking about here yeah and having that moment i feel was again another very nice dovetail into the han that we will see later on yeah and then uh, Dryden Voss. Ben, did you like the villain? Did you think he was a good villain? Hey, he was passable. Um, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a villain. You know, that's, that's, that's definitely an, an attempt to be scary or whatever it is that you're going for. You know, good good on you, Paul Bettany. Um, that's, you know, that's, yeah. that's good. You're, you're earning that money right there. Just <laughs> make, make, that, make that dough, son. Make that dough. <laughs> and then what about you, John? Did you think he was a good villain? Uh, in a rare turn, I'm going to agree with Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was passable, not remarkable, right? Like yeah. he served his purpose and he did have some moments of intensity where you're wondering, is there something bubbling under the surface, right? Like, is he onto them? Isn't he? Like I had a few moments where there were, there, I wouldn't say chills, like this is not Hannibal Lecter territory, but it was certainly like, I, I see you as being able to run a crime syndicate. Like I felt there was enough gravitas there to hold the role but i wasn't overwhelmed by him yeah and lastly let's go ahead and briefly discuss kira so han's love interest in this film did you like this character did you dislike this character ben let's go to you first (laughs) i just she she was a character again all these all these people i'm going you know that's that's definitely a, a performance. I mean, you you did you did what you were supposed to. <laughs> Felt the same way about Kira. I, it's very awesome that her name is uh, spelled with a Q instead of an I a K. Because I was like, oh my goodness, K I R. But no, she spelled with a Q. And I'm like, oh it's look at you, Star now. Wars. That's, yeah, it's, it's well, Star Wars. Spelling. Yeah, <laughs> it's Star Wars spelling, and I love it. Um, I just nothing. Nothing really remarkable. It was kind of like, okay, you're you're going to be a love interest, so you know, I I was hoping at the beginning that like, and and I knew that once they got to that point where they had to separate, I'm like, how how are you going to find each other again? Because I know you're going to find each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the trailers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that dumb. I've seen the trailers. How are you going to find each other? And sure enough, she. 
I work for what's his face and I'm doing all this stuff and look at me in my dress and you're like, oh, well, what a nice dress. You know, and hey, what the, it was what the force wills, the force does. OK, <laughs> yes, it, it does. It just but. All right. So, John, what about you? Did you what did you think of this character of Kira? I had no problem with her. I would have been more bothered at the end of the movie if they had turned her into kind of like the reason for Han to become cold and callous. Mm -hmm. I feel like the way that they left it where it's obvious and probably even obvious to him that she's just trapped and she couldn't go with him, but it's not a matter of, oh, well, she was cruel and evil ultimately and she double crossed him or maybe she was killed and it just left him broken inside like they didn't go for any of those like obvious Mm -hmm. uh, reasons why his love could crush him Um, so because they kind of went down the middle it wasn't terribly exciting but I feel like it was the smarter way to go with her character right? to have her just be caught up in something bigger than herself. And she's trying her best to navigate treacherous waters and not, you know, rock the boat because she knows that there's a menace above her that will spell doom for all of them. So she's ultimately trying to do the right thing. But in order to do that, she has to break his heart. That's cool. I like mm-hmm. that. That's, that, that's a fun way to, to round out a, a you know, a quasi love story. I, I, I was okay with it. And then that wasn't amazed, but I was okay. And then that leads us to our speculations. So going off Akira, we have some speculations going on because her story ends with her abandoning Han, which is enough to make him kind of that cold hearted, but she abandons him for someone and something very specific. And Ben, who did she abandon Han for? Who did she go off to serve? And this is the WT freak of the of the entire movie because you're going, what? Um, Darth Maul shows up in the same kind of like television way that um, Stoke shows up. You're like, oh my goodness, Stoke, Darth Maul and Stoke Vision. What is this? And it's just. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so the speculation's there. So John, what do you think happens what do you think happened to her in that time span where her and Han were separate? Well, I, I think the movie spells it out reasonably clearly. Uh Dryden Voss somehow got her out of the clutches of Lady Proxima. Right. We don't know how, but for some reason she is now obligated to him as property. So they they say right at the beginning of the movie, like you know, if we try to get off world, maybe we'll get picked up by the syndicates mm-hmm. and trafficked into slavery. Like they know that that's the outcome for a lot of people that try to do what they're doing. It sounds like that's what happened to her. Yeah. She just got bought by a particularly, you know, high <laughs> level mafia guy and became his property. And because she had some cunning and some wit, she was able to establish herself as a kind of a right hand man. But yeah. she sees herself as property. She sees herself as a slave. She doesn't, she's gotten to that point of being a slave where you kind of forget what it's like to kind of crave your freedom. And she just kind of feels owned and doesn't know, you know, how to escape that world. Ultimately, that's kind of what I think happened. Yeah. And so I, I totally agree, but I had, so I think that's how she got out. So initially I think that one way or another, she was purchased as property by Dryden, but at some point, 
Darth Maul becomes the thing that she, I don't know if she's necessarily fearing him the most or if she sees him as a way to move up in the game. But something happens that causes her to call him immediately once the plan, once her plan is successful. Mm -hmm. Um, and he says to her, you're going to be working with me a, a lot closer. And her, her face that she gives is kind of this like face of like, Oh, uh, this is like just pure terror. But so it doesn't necessarily seem to me that she was necessarily using it as a way up in the crime world. It seems to me that. Some way or another, Darth Maul either reached out to her or she got involved with him in that, in that three year span where she is reaching out to re like, there's a reason that she's going to him immediately after this. Uh, okay. You, you want to send that back to Ben or to me? Uh, it, let's go ahead and send that back to you, John. Okay. Um, I don't think that her and Maul had any, like, side uh agreements going on i think what happened was when she became dryden voss's right hand man mm -hmm. she was basically brought into the inner circle gotcha and because she's doing his bidding and managing his affairs she has to now be in contact with the real power behind the throne right she has to be the one relaying updates and coordinating things so she knows ultimately where this all trickles up to um, and I think that's why she ultimately felt like there was no way out for her because she knows that the, the big baddie at the top doesn't let anybody go. Yeah. You know, he's a force beyond just normal human ability. He's someone that you just don't escape. And she thought, I have a chance to cut Han out of this before he gets pulled into what I'm already enslaved okay. to. So I'm just going to toe the line. I'm going to clean up this mess. I'm going to placate Maul. I'm just going to get back to business as usual. And Han's got everything that he needs to go and live his life. And ultimately, because I do love him, I can't let him be a part of what I'm already enslaved to. I think that's where the character ended up with Maul gotcha. at the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah, I hear that. Um, yeah, that was one of those things where I was like, I don't know if she's if she's cutting a side deal, if she's trying to move up in the ladder, or if she's trying to protect him. Uh, but that makes sense that that she would do that to ultimately to protect him from Maul. Uh, but yeah, so we have Darth Maul and Ben. Are you up to date on the canon? <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not only up to date on the canon, I know how to run the canon. Yeah. This if there is one thing that this that this movie um created within me, it is a an a, a deep love for the original trilogy. <laughs> and and what it what it means. Um and also for the canon itself, because I'm I'm looking at I, I saw Darth Maul and the first thing that I thought about, and it's in your notes, so Mm -hmm. I'm on segue for you. What did what 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 was that? Um, because <laughs> you did. You were supposed to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like Isma from from the Emperor's New Groove. So he's let's, supposed to be dead. Take him out of town and finish the job. I mean, it just you know, you're sitting there. Well, can we finish dessert and have coffee? Yeah. I, you're just why is and and that's what I wanted to kind of yeah. pose to you guys because. I'm sensing a continuity issue. Yeah. So, John, 
Do you have the answer to that? <laughs> I do. I don't have the 12 hours it takes to run through all of the episodes <laughs> that lay this out. But basically, to understand why Maul is alive and why he has legs, you, you just got to watch the Clone Wars and the little bit of Rebels. Because they establish that he didn't actually die in Phantom Menace, that just through his sheer force of of dark side anger he was able to kind of crawl his way back to to be and then Mm -hmm. and then eventually rose through the ranks of crime syndicate so (laughs) like it kind of lays out that this is sort of the trajectory that maul was on at about this period in time so it is all there in canon but you have to watch the outside of the movie media to get any sense apparently apparently because i I was like i'm like uh okay okay Right. And so, so for those of you that watched, uh, the Clone Wars, you, you know how he survives, but basically his brother goes, uh, finds his, um, finds his remains. He's kind of all like crazy and then he brings him back and, uh, then he gets on his ultimate goal, which is to track down Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like that's what he wants because he blames Obi-Wan. Because what happens is Darth Maul comes back, tries to get his apprenticeship back with, uh, with Darth Sidious. Darth Sidious is like, I've moved on from you. And it's like, boohoo, you broke up with me. This is so sad. And then <laughs> while he's crying in his bedroom, listening to, uh, his sad music, uh, too good at goodbyes by Sam Smith, he's basically thinking, man, whose fault is this? It's so, I'm so stupid. And he's like, no, I'm not stupid. I was cut in half by Obi-Wan Kenobi. So then he's like, I'm going to get my revenge. And I think. My last speculation is that I think that this is leading, that this was a hint. It could be a double hint, either at a solo sequel, or I think that it's that tip of the hat that Lucasfilm is giving, saying, we hear you about an Obi-Wan film. And so this is our little nod. Even though I don't think they'll take like a Darth Maul storyline because we see that end in Star Wars Rebels, uh, but I think it's kind of a hint that we are going to get... Obi-Wan involved in this crime world that all the lines are pointing back at the end of Solo. <laughs> all the lines are pointing back to Tatooine. So we know sure. it's all pointing back there. And so that's what I think. So, ah, so they pulled a Harry Potter, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you yeah. must read the books and understand the things in order to understand. Okay. That's, yeah. I, I, I mean, yes that's... and no. It's, it's enough to like <laughs> give a nod to fans and then enough to like get people that aren't up to date on the canon to be like, well, what was that? I thought this was, uh, I thought this was different and get them maybe even more invested so that when something comes out, they're like, I'm going to go see what happened to Darth Maul. Um, and so it's like one of those things where you don't, there wasn't enough there that's like, you have to understand this or you have to watch this to yeah, understand I, it because I, it doesn't contribute that, enough like, to the, to the, to the story. So I, Anyway, let's go ahead and let's bring this to a close with all of these speculations. So, Ben, let's start with your final thoughts. Do you have any final thoughts on this movie? Yes. And my gosh, what a, what a, I'm not going to say a waste of time because it was, there, there were, there were fun things about it. But I just, I don't know. It just wasn't. <laughs> it, it was not. It was not my cup of tea. Um, yeah. So I get it. It wasn't for you. For, for me, no. I uh, it. I had. It I was had for a, you guys. Yeah. They made this movie for, specifically for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> sure. 
so that you guys can start this thing off and running, and then I can go and do my own little weirdness. They 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 did it for you, and I'm for that. I, I'm pleased. I because... had I had check boxes. I checked them all off. I thought it was fun. What about you, John? What did you think of this film? I think that this was a perfectly good movie. That when it comes right down to it, was kind of like crushed under the weight of star Wars expectations. Mm. I feel like if this movie just kind of existed on its own and people could take it on its own terms without the legacy of Harrison Ford and the legacy of what came after and all of the craziness within star Wars fandom and the fallout from the last Jedi and just the social climate of the world. If you just didn't have all of this swirling around the movie, I think people would go see it and be like, yeah, good movie enjoyed it fun but this is star wars and people go in and expect lightsabers and they Mm -hmm. expect you know really crazy bad guys that don't just show up as a hologram in the last 30 seconds of the movie so it just didn't tick a lot of boxes for many star wars fans that wanted a different kind of movie and there's just no way to clone harrison ford and bring him back as a 20 year old right now so (laughs) this movie had a lot working against it right out of the gate I feel like this is as good a Han Solo origin movie as they could have pulled off. Yeah. Despite the director craziness and all the other, you know, production woes, I feel like they did a really good job and that this is a solid movie. And in 10 years time, when people don't care about all of the current stupidity surrounding the movie and gauging the box office and, you know, holding it up against infinity war and all the rest of it when all of that is taken out of the equation you just pop it in on a sunday afternoon because you want something fun to watch Mm. i think it's going to hold up great yeah and and for me this time last year i was banging my head up against wall and saying please god do not let this film be made if the directors were fired if all the stuff that is being said is true about about lord and miller making it into an ace ventura film god just don't (laughs) let the film be made just cancel it please and now i'm I, this is rewatchable for me as a Star yep. Wars fan. I'm gonna. I, it's. I accept it into canon. There are certain things where I'm like, eh, I don't really want to accept you. I know you're there, but I'm just gonna put you in the dark corner over there to be alone. But this one, I embrace. Um, I'll rewatch, and yeah. So, other than that, any other final thoughts from you, Ben? Nothing. Nope. All right. I, what you see is what you get. <laughs> All right, and then. Uh, <laughs> John, let's start with you. Where can people find you? If people enjoy hearing me talk about stuff, they can check out my other podcast, the Saturday Night Live After Party, which is at snlafterparty.fm or wherever better podcasts can be found. Uh, We're on iTunes, Spotify, all the rest of it. It's basically a deep dive into SNL. We review each new episode. Uh, and a lot of other stuff. Uh, we go deep on kind of the mechanics of sketch comedy and, you know, comedy writing and just really dig into the show affectionately, but pretty thoroughly. It's not just sort of a lighthearted, oh, I liked it. I didn't like it kind of cast. It is, it is more for the comedy nerds out there. And yeah. uh, we have fun doing it. And I would love people to check it out. Yeah. SNLAfterparty.fm. And I was really surprised just how in-depth you guys went on that. Uh, going into it, I had no idea what to expect. I was like, SNL After Party, what is this? Uh, then after listening to it, I'm like, whoa, that's actually uh, extremely creative and distinguishable in the podcast world. So that that's what adds the value to that podcast. And then, Ben, what about you? Where can the people find your pretty face? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, the only thing that I personally have uh, to push, if if anything, uh, is, is my Twitter. Um, it's be jamming to it. Um, so just go on Twitter and, and you can follow me. I don't usually post a lot, but I um, hopefully if if you enjoyed listening to me, then you'll be like, you should post more because you're so awesome. Then, then I'll do it. For, yeah. for you wonderful listeners, I will I will post as often as possible. Um, so yeah, that's that's for me personally. Um, yeah, and you can you, you can listen to his pretty little voice as well. Uh, if you like uh, talking all things nerdy and comic book related, you can find him on Jen and Comics podcast. So yep. that is anywhere you want to find your podcast. But other than that, guys, I think that we are done with this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes. For every 10 iTunes reviews, we give away some awesome Star Wars merchandise. You think people going to die? Please check out our website, www.starwarstvtalk.com. And follow our show on Twitter, at Star Wars TV Talk, and on Facebook, at facebook.com slash Talk. And please give Laid Wogan a follow on SoundCloud for providing this awesome intro and outro music. That is L-A-D-E-W-O-J-N. Lastly, Star Wars and all the characters discussed are owned by Lucasfilm and are protected by their respective copyright laws. Thank you so much. And until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.